couldn't help but take the punches because we don't know how not to duck, how to duck and dodge and bob and weave. Am I doing it right? Uh, uh, right? Ooh, I'm a street fighter. She's like a boxer. So it's a real big difference right there, right? So the thing is, though, right, if I can get my wife up here real fast. Yes, I'm like, I lost, I, I lost all functionality right here with this. But can you put that down? Come on, somebody, right? So the thing is, I have it jammed inside the glove. Y'all don't realize. This thing ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so just because, like, man, did he glue that thing on? No, I stuffed it in the glove. Actually, Ashley stuffed it in the glove for me. But I want to dive right up in here into this uh, today's sermon. And it's called, you know, when the sermon series, if you guys first time visiting here, hey, first time visitors, anybody out there? Raise your hand. What? that? Hey. Oh, right here in the front. Hey, how you doing? Anybody else? Where are my slingshot people's at? They still here? Slingshot, where you at? They left? They left. Pray for them, okay? So, hey, new visitor. Hey. I'm not crazy, okay? It's okay. My name is Pastor Steve. I'm the youth pastor here. And we've been going through a sermon series called The War Within Us. And this war, as we've been learning, has a lot to do with the battlefield of the mind, right? And so today's sermon is called Discipline. Somebody say discipline. Amen. And knowing that, thinking about that, thinking about what's going on, Jimmy right here, gloves on, on Pastor Steve, is happening, right? Let us bow our head and close our eyes. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask right now, God, that you would have your way in this place, God. Lord, that you would give us the tools, Lord God, that we need to conquer and win, Lord God, and from a position of victory, God, the war within us, God, that attacks our mind, God. Lord, teach us, guide us, and lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit, God. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to every heart, every mind, every spirit today, God, in this place, in the name of Jesus, God. And may your name be lifted up, God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Come on. So last week, as, uh, as how many people were here last week? Right? A lot of people here last week. But I want to go over for the people that weren't here last week. Last week, we talked about humility versus humiliation, right? And so we learned that humility was the same as being poor in spirit, as spoken of by Jesus in Matthew 5.3. Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we learned that we must practice humility or the ability to be humble and submit ourselves to the Lord during humble circumstances. And so becoming poor is to become rich in the Lord while in this world. And so we learn that we, me, you, I, all this, right, that our greatest enemy, that we are our greatest enemy who we, who we fight and war with and against to be humble or to operate in pride that leads to humiliation, which means shame or, or embarrassment. And so we learn, to we learn to defeat the me that wars within me. We must be and practice humility. That's some bars right there. You guys ready to hear that again? Somebody needs to hear that, man. Like, dude, I'm going to put that on my mixtape. Check this out. We learn to defeat the me that wars within me. We must, we must be and practice humility. Come on, somebody. So we got to be God-dependent in all things and get ourselves out of the way that God may have his way by stop assuming we are rich in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding and or materials and choose to give up all to gain Christ during trials and life on earth. 
We recognize that the war with ourselves and its need and demand to do what self wants to do and came face to face with the need to humble ourselves unto Jesus. How many people remember that? Amen? We got about one person. <laughs> Let's try this again. How many people remember that? Amen. There it is, man. So today we continue to seek the war, or we continue to see the war within us is that, I'm sorry, wait, wait. wait. Today we continue to see the war within us that is with ourselves, and we learn the art of true discipline. And so to stand the test of trials and persevere, to continue, right, the definition of persevere, to continue to do something or try to do something even though it is difficult. And so discipline is a war we all struggle and or will struggle with and struggled with throughout our lives. And the war within us is one that discipline is either being practiced, winning the war within us, or neglected that causes us to lose the war to our ultimate defeat. And so the main thing that we are going to learn today is that word called discipline. You see, and this is a war. We may think, like, why is the war within us have anything to do with, with discipline? But the fact of the matter is, is that many people inside this room, especially at school and with parents, we hate discipline. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? Where's my daughter, Aviana? Avi, right? Raise your hand. Come on. Aviana knows about discipline, right? And so discipline is something that becomes a war within us because we do not like to choose to be disciplined. We don't like it. It makes us uncomfortable. Discipline is that thing that tells you you cannot do the very thing that you so want to do. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? You're like, man, I want to do this. I really just want to sin. I want to have a girlfriend. I want to have a boyfriend. I don't want to do it. You know, I don't want to serve God like that. I just want to have a little fun. It's not all that. I just want to do this. And discipline tells you that's not the right thing to do. That is not the right voice you need to be listening to. You need to listen to what does says the Lord. And many of us do not want to go through that process, man. So what I'm going to do here, because i got to keep on messing with this. You guys don't mind me putting this down? I am going to put this back on and punch a couple of people, but that's later on, okay? We're going to punch people to Jesus today. I'm just playing. <laughs> I just messed with man. Some of y'all call it DCFS as we speak. But that is not the case here, okay? But listen, so now I want us to open up our Bibles to James. We're in the book of James. That's where the series is coming from. And today we are in verse 12. Last week we talked about a few verses, but today we're just going to talk about one verse. One verse. We're going to use other verses, but one verse, and this is what the Word of God says. Blessed, somebody say blessed, is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so we see that word again, blessed. We see that same word when it came down to, uh, to last week's sermon. Let me get it up here real fast. When it said in verse, uh, where is it at? Oh, we use, I'm sorry, we use ver, uh, Matthew 5, 3 where it says, blessed is the poor in spirit. And then today we see in verse 12 that it says, blessed is the one who perseveres. And so God is telling us that it is a blessing to stand on the trials. It is a blessing. And see, the thing is, for many of us, blessing and trials do not go together. It's like, no, dude, I want the girlfriend. I want the boyfriend. I want to smoke weed. I want to have sexual encounters. I want to do all these other things. But I don't want what comes after that. I don't want the discipline. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want the reactions that come after my actions. I want to do these things, but I don't want the consequences of them. 
You guys understand what I'm saying? But see, with this one, it's saying, according to God working through James, he says that blessed is the one who perseveres in the trial because having stood the test, that person receives the reward. So blessings and perseverance are all in the same boat. But many of us just want the blessing part, but we're not willing to go to the perseverance so that we can grow and become mature and complete and to receive the blessing or the reward that comes afterwards. But we just want the blessing part. You see, we want to come to elevate. We want to do our thing, but we don't want to commit to the laws of God or, or should I say the word of God, right? Man, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want the rules and regulations of it. I just want the friends of it. I just want to hang with Ezekiel and chill out. I just want to hang with Brian and just kind of kick it, man, and just, you know, shoot guns and whatever Brian likes to do. I just want to chill with, you know, like with Carmen or I want to chill with Karina. But I don't want to do what she's doing in the sense of being an actual disciple. But I want the blessings that come with hanging with her. See, it doesn't work like that. Because blessed is the one who perseveres in the trial. And so the definition of blessed is this, according to Amplified Bible, is to be happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God. You guys hear that? Anybody their favorites, like to their parents? Like, man, my mama favors me. I don't know about my brother, but my mama favors me. Right? Anybody in here? We got a couple people, right? Ezekiel was like, yes, dude, she just hooked me up last, uh, yesterday. My sister kicked her out. I took her room. It's going down. It's like, this is what's going on, right? But we like, I see you, Court. So the thing is, favored by God. We want God to favor us. This is what blessings is, to be happy, spiritually prosperous. James equates this blessed to Jesus's in Matthew 5.11, and this is what he says. Blessed are you, and listen, blessing and perseverance, check this out, through trials. Look at what he says. Blessed are you when people insult you. Anybody get insult, insulted in this place? You're at school, you tell them you're a Christian, all of a sudden the first reaction you get is not, dude, you're awesome. No, you're stupid. You guys know what I'm talking about? You tell your parents who are Catholics, hey, I'm a Christian now. And like, no, you're not. They probably say it in Spanish or something like, no, you're not. I'm going to tell the Guadalupe Mary right now. I'm talking to her right now. Hold on, give me my rosary. And then they start doing stuff and like, what is happening here? Like, wait a minute, right? And they start cursing at you after that. Like, how are you going to pray, curse at me, and then speak to Mary all at the same time? I have no idea. It doesn't even go together. But this is what happens. And so they begin to insult you. But God, Jesus Christ, right, the Son of God, God himself, is saying you're blessed when people do that. And so in order to be blessed, we had to go through some insults. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? It doesn't come. It, comes, it doesn't come like one without the other. No, it comes together. Blessed is that one who gets insulted by other people. And then he goes on. He says, who persecutes you, Right? Who come against you, talk bad about you, mistreat you. Like right now, right, we had, um, we had people get treated overseas in the Middle East somewhere where they went on ahead. It was a, a van full of Christians going to prayer time, right? Anybody go to prayer time in this place? Right, we have prayer time today, right in the beginning. So imagine that we're in prayer time, but they're in a bus headed to prayer, and a bunch of gunmen come out and kill everybody. Or they blew up the van. What am I talking about? They blew up the truck? Did they blow it up or shoot it up? Anybody? They blew it up, right? They blew up the whole van just for going to prayer because they were Christians. And so they were persecuted. That is called persecution. Here in America, we're not getting blown up. Our persecution compared to the persecution overseas is we're a bootleg. Our persecution is like, dude, well, you know what? You want to be a Christian? I'm just not going to be your friend. I'm tired of you, James. Get a body. That's it. It's over. 
Like, what? Shut up. Like, I don't care about your friendship. But we care, like, these days. Like, dude, I'm getting persecuted. Like, dude, what happened? Like, you won't even believe what happened, Pastor Steve. Persecution came at Shurs. You don't even understand what happened. Man, tell me about it. Like, dude, I was in a classroom talking to my, my best friend. Like, we just had Chipotle yesterday, and then today I'm talking to her now, right? And all of a sudden I told her, yes, I'm a Christian. That's why I smile all the time and I have joy. And no, she tells me, she calls me a B and says I, she don't want to be my friend no more. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, isn't that bad? But I'm like, wait a minute. Well, let's go check out CNN and, and see what bad means then, right? We'll see what, you know what I mean? But we're not going through that in America. But the thing is, we would refuse to be insulted. We would refuse to go through persecution as though we're getting our heads cut off or being, per, or being blown up in, in vans and trucks. So the thing is, blessed are the ones who are persecuted and, are fall, and, and speak falsely against all kinds of evil against you because of me. It says rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. There's a reward. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessings and persecution all in the same sentence. Blessings and persecutions all in the same sentence. Some of you, I'm not going to belittle you guys because you guys get persecuted if that's you or people are insulting you or you feel a little ashamed. You don't want to talk about Jesus because they're homosexual or, man, they just don't like Jesus. And that's why I'm not going to say nothing. But the reality is blessings come from that. Blessings come from that. Blessed are you. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so having stood the test comes and indicates that it means to stand on, to get through the test. And this means, this means discipline. Discipline meaning boxings, boxing one's own self. And so when you hear something that says, who stood the test, after they stood the test, they got the reward. Right? As a boxer, he's got to get in there, and even though he's boxing a dude, he's whooping on uh, Jimmy or whatever, giving it to Jimmy, Jimmy's eventually going to fight back. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys see some boxing, right? MMA or whatever. You're going to be taking some punches and stuff like, oh, oh, oh. You know what I mean? The only way to win that match and get the belt, you're going to have to take some punches, right? You're going to have to be disciplined to learn how to take some punches for one, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Persecution, insulting, the enemy attacking you, things like that. Why, do I, you know, why is this happening to me? All these other things. You need to learn discipline in order to be able to fight the way God would have you to fight. It takes discipline. And so anybody, as James talks about here, that stands the test, having stood the test, when you are able to stand the test, trial meaning test, that person will receive the crown of life. That the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so here I have three disciplines needed to get, to get, uh, stand, to, I'm sorry, to be able to stand the test. Three of them. And this is the first one. The first test of discipline is a disciplined mind. If I can get this from uh, Stephanie. We need, somebody say mind, a disciplined mind. Right? I'm going to put that. Everybody see this? Right, just pretend this is a, like a, a dude. Like this is the head. A little squarey, circly, but some people look like this. I'm going to pick on y'all. But that's the mind, right? And so the first thing that we must have is a discipline mind. If we can go to 2 Timothy 1.7, and this is what it says. 
For the spirit of God gave the spirit that God gave us does not, I'm sorry, but for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. This self-discipline, when you look at the definition in the Greek, it goes back to thoughts. It goes back to a disciplined mind. And why is that as we talked about? Because if the enemy has your mind, what does he have? Right? You can yell it out. It's okay. What? He has control. You see, the enemy cannot take your salvation. He cannot just steal your salvation. He knows that. He's like, man, this person is heaven bound. TJ's going to heaven. I can't take his salvation. What can I do then to get him? Bing. Light bulb goes on. I can take his mind. And if I can control TJ's mind, I can control his feelings. I can control his emotions. I can control whether he goes outside or stays in his room all by himself and wants to sleep all day. I can control if he's depressed. I can control his smiles, his frowns, his tears. I can control everything about TJ if I can just get his mind. You see, because some of us inside this room, if not many of us inside this room, have given your mind up to Jesus Christ. And you wonder, why do I cry so much? Why is it that in one moment I can be so happy kicking him at Corey, watching him play uh, basketball whatever, in front of the house or whatever, and then all of a sudden I can step foot into my house, and all of a sudden it was as though I never laughed ever. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so all of a sudden you, then you ask yourself, like, man, I was just okay. I was smiling. I was laughing. Everything was good. But the moment I stepped into my bedroom, everything was gone. My mind began to wander off. I began to think suicidal. I began to think depressive thoughts, thoughts that do not equate to glory or, or, or happiness or joy or, or worthy to be praised. But instead, my mind is all jacked up. And so what happens is that when the enemy begins to take your mind, right, and you begin to find yourself in a trial, just like I experienced a trial, and just like many of you guys and the leaders experienced a trial, even this week, the first thing that happens in a trial, right, if I can move this back, the first thing that happens is in a trial, and I'm going to just use this one for now. Can I use my right hand? Believe it or not, it's not like my strongest hand. My left hand is the one that knocks people out, but my, my right hand still does some justice. If you don't believe me, ask Brian. That's an inside joke. I love that, brother, right? I'm just saying, half kid, right? But listen, though, when you're in a trial, check this out. Look at it as a tsunami. Everybody know what a tsunami is? This tsunami's coming, but you don't see it coming, right? But it's coming behind you. And you're just sitting there chilling, dude, moving furniture, whatever, doing your thing, whatever you guys are doing in school, playing football, uh, softball, whatever you're doing. All of a sudden, a trial comes in a storm, and it hits you, bam, upside the back of the head. Look what happens to Jimmy, right? You hit Jimmy, mm, right? Tired of you, Jimmy, mm, right? The trial comes, hits Jimmy upside the head in his mind. Bow, you ain't nothing, sucker, right? You're a failure. You're nothing. You're never going to amount to nothing. Mm, punch him back in the head. Oh, the first thing that happens to old poor Jimmy, and just like it happens to us when you're in a trial, shock. The moment it happens, you're in shock. Your brain and your mind is all rattled up because you're in the middle of a trial and the enemy is hitting you and these trials are coming at you and it's going at you. And the first thing you do, you're surrounded in this, in this trial and your mind is circling just like this. 
It is shock that hits you. What is happening in my life? What do you mean my parents are getting divorced? What do you mean we're getting evicted out of our home? What do you mean we have no money for food? What are you talking about? What do you mean you want to break up with me and go out with, you know, be whoever with, with Akbar or whatever? What do you mean you want to go with Shaquita? I'm tired of this stuff. You said you love me. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a trial. And the trial is beating up your mind. And the first thing that happens in the flesh is that you become shocked. Like, oh my, whoa. Like, dude, what just hit me? And, and it's still hitting you. And you're trying to understand what is happening to you. The next thing that happens is that you begin to panic. First is shock, bam. And then all of a sudden the sweating starts happening, right? If I keep on beating up Jimmy, he's going to start sweating up. Maybe not this Jimmy, but a person, right? He's going to start sweating up, right? And so what happens is first is shock, like, dude, this dude just punched me in the face. Ugh, ugh, you're sitting there. The next thing that happens, right, according to what God had given me is panic. You start wondering, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to pay my bills? What do you mean? What, 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 do you, what do you mean you're going to break my heart? Like, where am I supposed to go? Who am I supposed to call? At in the, who am I supposed to text? Who am I supposed to Snapchat? Like, what am I going to do? What is going to happen now? And we begin to panic and panic and panic, and we're going back and forth. Instead of calling on Jesus, we're calling on everybody else but Jesus. TJ, help me, dude. Like, I don't even know what's going on, man. Carmen's acting crazy, dude. She chased me out the crib. I don't know what's happening, dude. She done lost it. And Carmen's in the crib just chilling. She took over my Xbox, and that's really what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, my goodness, she took my game, dude. And then the next thing is this. Listen, the flesh. When we don't look, when we don't look to God, the flesh kicks in, and the last part is impulse. Impulse is where the devil wants us to be. Impulse. What is impulse, Pastor Steve? Impulse is when you get whacked. And your reaction after that, you start making decisions or doing things just off of impulse. Right? Like, dude, you automatically throw like a bogus hit, like, ugh. And they're looking at you. They got you on like a Facebook Live. Like, dude, what kind of fighting are you doing, dude? They just punch you square in the face and you just, ugh. You know what I mean? And now you can never take it back because it's on live. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like on live fight, like Facebook. Like, man, dude, I can never take that bogus first swing I did on Pedro. Like, he punched me and I was like, ugh. You know what I mean? But it was an impulse. It was like a natural reaction, right? And so what happens is when you find yourself in a trial, how the enemy attacks you or just a natural fleshly thing that happens is that you first get shocked. Bam! And he's like, oh, my goodness, what just happened? What's going on? I can't believe this is happening. Why is my kids acting like this? What is going on? What do you mean they're doing this? What do you mean they're doing that? You get shocked. And then after that, you start acting all panicky. Man, Joe, how are we going to handle this stuff? Babe, what was going to happen? What, what, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to get past this? How can we get out of this? And then we start making impulse decisions. Pedro left me. I'm going to go with his best friend. Where's Daniel? Right? We start making impulse decisions. We try to find the fastest way out of the trial. When as we learn in the preaching is that we're not supposed to find the fastest way out. We're supposed to find the fastest way to Jesus. To pray for wisdom so that we can ask God, God, I'm going through a trial right now. Give me wisdom so I can know why I'm in this trial. So I can make it to the end and end up mature and complete and gain the rewards of the crown of life. And so what happens when you're automatically in the trial is that you start going through the shock, through the panic and impulse. And dudes are punching you. There's a war going on. You're in a fight. Bam, bam. He's getting you. He's throwing all type of jabs. You're like, dude, I didn't even learn this stuff. I don't even know how to fight. And you're sitting there, don't know what to do. 
And you start making fast decisions. You start making decisions. Check this out. You start making decisions, eternal decisions, while you're in a temporary trial. And so for many of us, we walk away from God. We make an eternal decision in a temporary trial. And because these things are coming at us, it got us in shock. We don't even know where to go. Panic sets in. And then by impulse, we make a decision to say, dude, I'm going back to the hood. Dude, I'm, I'm dropping out of school. I'm gone. I had a guy today, just today, supposed to graduate in two weeks, just today, because he was failing one of his classes. He still had two weeks to make up that class. All he had to do was do a couple pamphlets, and he would have been graduating, right? He comes in, gave up. He comes in with five bags of weed, reeking of, of weed. And I'm like, like, dude, you smell like soap and weed. Like, what is that? What did you do? Like, you bathing and stuff? So sure enough, he had the weed on him. He got kicked out. They called the police, and he was gone. He's not graduating at all. Lost all his credits for that, that this, uh, this quarter right now. And because he was in a panic and he had a zero, he was getting beat up in his trial, that he gave up and went back to the hood and started selling drugs and got kicked out today out of high school and not graduate. He got to come back now in the fall and hope that we accept him and that he can graduate from there. But he's 21 years old now. He made a, a long-range decision right, that will affect his life now because he was in a temporary trial. And see, most of us here, some of us here are making eternal decisions to turn away from God because it's getting too tough because you're in a temporary trial that God is trying to mold you and build you up in. Is that you? And so the next one is this, discipline of self-control. If you can go to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, and this is where we're going to start the boxing. This is the part that I like. Right? I want to fight. Right, Brian? And this is what this says. Do you not know? Listen to this now, right? You guys can see it up here, right? Everybody can see this? Do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, the, uh, in the games goes into strict training. What do they go into? Discipline, that's what that means. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And so the first thing that happens, right, is that we're in this thing, right? We know that we're in a race. We're trying to get the crown, but we need self-control. See, we're in the trial, the disciplined mind. We need to get that under control. And so now it's the ability to say no to self and yes to the things of God. And so these three things that happen to us is that it affects our emotions, we begin to get uncomfortable, and we become selfish. You see, many of you guys know that I was saved in prison, right? I was locked up, gang chief, I was sent off. I didn't care about Jesus, I wasn't raised as no Jesus freak, but I was saved in prison. And listen, I got saved in 1999 in the summer inside a jail cell when God called my name. I was a gang chief, and I, my, my mind was not on Jesus. I had no discipline. I was reckless, reckless. I had knives on me that day, matter of fact, man, like little, little uh, prison knives or whatever you call it, right? Don't ask me to make you none. It ain't going on. Look on YouTube. You'll see what I'm talking about. But listen, I'm on this thing, and I'm putting, you know, uh, this tissue in the, in the van or whatever. Summertime, it blows out cold air. All of a sudden, I hear God's voice say, come to me. 
I went to the door. Nobody was there. I hear the voice again. And it says, open up the Bible and read the first thing you see. When I opened up the Bible, first thing I read was, why are you afraid of mere man when I am your God? I grabbed that Bible and I threw it across the sail. And I sat there. And that day I got saved. I went out. I dropped my flags. I stopped game banging. Well, how many know I did not, they didn't release me out of prison because I got saved. You guys know what I'm talking about? I was in there three years, three years fighting this case. And you would ask, well, how did you do it? How was your mindset? How were you uh, disciplined in self-control? See, it's real easy. You're in prison. It's 24-7 game bang mode. 24-7 people cursing. 24-7 people trying to find out how they can kill you, how they can steal your stuff, how they can mistreat you. 24-7 of some straight-up psycho stuff, right? Just always on it, 24-7. Like, you don't know who to trust, can't trust nobody but Jesus, right? Or somebody that you, like, grew up with or something, right? And so the thing is, we must understand, right, without a self-controlled mind, I'm going to tell you about my life. Without having a sound mind, right, I would have never made it. But see, what happens is that when you're saved and you begin to go to Jesus, and I was in a trial for three years, three years, right? So the only way I was able to get through there and grow to become a man of God that I am today, I needed, how many know I needed a sound mind? I needed a disciplined mind. I could not think about the fact that they were trying to give me 40 years at 85%. Any mathematicians? 40 years, 85, I would still be in jail right now. You would not have a pastor named Steve Ramos here. None of that. I will be locked up right now. I wouldn't even have kids. Where's Aviana? She wouldn't even be there doing that at all. She would not be alive. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? If they would have found me guilty, she would never be, she would not even exist. It would be no Aviana. There will be no Carmen, Steven, Ramos, family. None of that. But I want to tell you what happened to me. While I was in there, I got a sound mind from Jesus that he gave me the ability to have discipline in my mind so that I no longer looked at prison the way other people looked at prison. It became a boot camp for me. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? It was a boot camp for Jesus Christ that although I was in a trial, I had a mission and my eyes were on the go. And that goal was the fact that of God's word who said that in the end, if you give your life to me, I will set you free out of this prison. That is all I had. You guys hear what I'm saying? There was nothing tangible. There was not Jimmy I can punch on. Well, there were, but I was a Christian now, right? So I couldn't punch on Jimmy's and stuff. You know what I mean? But there was none of that. It was me and Jesus against this whole jail and all these little demons working through all these people. And so the only thing that got me through was the fact that Jesus gave me a disciplined mind. That I looked at this situation as an opportunity to get to know Jesus, to learn how to become mature and complete, to learn what I must do to keep my eyes on the prize or the crown of life. And all I had was a promise from God. That is all I had. A promise from God and his word. That's it. That's like me saying to, to, to Corey, Corey, I know you're facing 40 years in prison, but listen. God told me to tell you that in the end, he's going to set you free if you, set, if you give him your life. That is why my grandma came. She's with Jesus now. She came and told me that, fasting and praying. And that was way before I even got saved. I was in a whole long story tell you guys about a, uh, another time. But I was in solitary confinement, and she came to visit me one time and one time only. After she told me what God said, she ran out of that place. I came in there. I was chained up because I was in solitary confinement for, like, all type of dumb stuff. So the thing is, that's all I had to hold on to. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? 
I didn't have no bomb lawyer or whatever talking about some good stuff. He quit a long time ago on me. He wanted more money. We couldn't afford it. He was like, dude, he, there's no way to get him out of this. He is gone. He told my mama that. And I said, well, no, I know a way, and the, the way is Jesus Christ. He's going to get me out. He said so. I had to hold on to his promises. And so the thing is, what happens is that when you are not self-controlled, you're lacking the discipline of self-control. If I can get this other one. If your heart is not self-controlled, the enemy will begin to affect your heart, right? Where's your heart at? Right here, right? And your heart, spiritually, what this heart means is the center of your being. It is your being. This is where your emotions are at. This is where you're sensitive at. This is where your dreams are at. This is where your aspirations are at. This is where the enemy will begin to attack you if you don't have self-control in your life. If you don't realize that you are in a boxing match with yourself. That the war within you is yourself. You are your greatest enemy. I am my greatest enemy. And so, therefore, as we go into a boxing match, I am not sitting here aiming at the air like, uh, uh, uh. No, I am literally strategically aiming at these very things. I need to get my mind as the mind of Christ. I need to give my mind, my thoughts to Jesus, and in turn, I need to receive his promises. Because the moment you stop doing that, he would have your mind and be able to control your whole life. And so if he cannot get your mind, he will be then begin to try to get your heart and work through your dreams, your aspirations, the things that come from the outside that would affect you on the inside. And so if you cannot pursue your dream, then that dream, if it's not even of God, he will begin to get you to pursue a dream that gets you away from God, far from God. And so we need to have the ability to have discipline of self-control according to that verse. If we can put that verse back up there. Listen to this. Do you not know that we are in a race? We are in a race right now. Run in such a way as to get the prize. He is letting us know we must be disciplined. Any athlete that happened that goes into running, boxing, they have to go into a discipline where they cannot just eat whatever they want to. You see, I can't just go to him and say, oh, I'm going to be a boxer, dude. I'm going to train. It's going to go down. I'm knocking everybody out. Ugh. And I hit Jimmy, and I think I'm bad because Jimmy's not really a Jimmy person, right? And I'm thinking, oh, do I got this? And I'm eating cupcakes, and I'm taking you guys to McDonald's, and we're eating, you know, Big Macs and all those things. How many know I'm not going to last that long in a real boxing match? You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to last long. I'm sitting here, man, just eating all type of Krispy Kremes. We're doing the things. Y'all buying me. My, my favorite thing is like those little moon pie things. You know what I'm talking about? They're like a cookie with a marshmallow. Some of y'all haven't lived it off. You didn't eat that. Mercy, Lord. Help them, God. I'm praying that everything's in heaven. Y'all haven't even had one yet. You know what I mean? That stuff is fire. It's like a weakness. But if I keep eating that stuff, how many of you know it's going to affect my self-control? I would not be able to compete the way I, the way I need to. And so what Paul is trying to tell us right here is that we must be disciplined. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. You have a war within you that you keep losing to because you don't have the discipline that God desires to give you because you're taking it lightly. But you know who's not taking it lightly? The devil himself. And so he don't care about your emotions. He don't care about your mind. Dude, just give me a break, man. Just give me a break. No, I hate you. I want to kill you. I want to make sure that you end up in hell with me. That is the goals of the devil. And so while we're sitting here playing games, 
oh, I'm cool, dude. I'm just going to keep on sinning. It's straight, man. You know, I'm got a grip on me. I'm, I'm going to keep on watching porn. I'm going to keep on, you know, messing with this dude. I'm going to keep on just doing me and all this other stuff. Listen, you know who else is going to keep on? The devil himself. Because he does not care what you're trying to achieve. Because he has an agenda of his own. And his agenda is to get you in hell. His agenda is an eternal one. And he is real patient. He will wait. And he will hang out with Jimmy. He will continue to whisper sweet lies to Jimmy. You ain't nothing. You stupid Jimmy. You're never going to amount to nothing. Your dad doesn't care about you. Your mom's always partying. She ain't never there. Do you mad as well just give up? Just kill yourself. Just hang it all up. And so Jimmy, after a while, how many know Jimmy? If he's not filtering his mind and having a self-disciplined mind, right, according to the word of God, a disciplined mind, after some time, Jimmy's going to start listening to these thoughts. You can never do this. You can never lead. You don't have confidence. You can never amount to anything. You're not going to make it in college. You're too stupid. Nobody cares about you. And then he goes into your heart and he starts affecting with your emotions, right? Cut yourself. Just go ahead, man. Get that razor and just, just cut your body. You know you hate yourself anyways. Cut yourself. And then he gets you into a washroom. You grab a razor blade and you start cutting your legs. You start cutting your stomach. You start cutting your arms. Now you're afraid to show people your arms because you got all these slices on your arms. And he's constantly hitting you in your mind and in your midsection, your heart. And he's just punching you. Don't care. Don't care. We're taking these beat downs. And all along, you never went to God. You think you can do it on your own. And God is saying, no. Listen, you need to be disciplined. You need to go into strict training. You need to start beating your body up. That when these thoughts start coming in, you start hitting your body. Literally. Not, well, not literally. Some of you going to come back next week. got black eyes. Like, Pastor Steve, look, dude. I've been whooping myself. Black eyes and stuff. I got the police walking behind you. They're like, dude, they said you told them to do this. They're lying. I run. on the, You know, it just goes from there. Listen, though. I don't mean literally. Let me take that back. Spiritually, you need to beat up your mind. When the enemy comes at us with these type of lies, you're stupid. You don't mean nothing. They don't care about you. You are all alone. You're the only Christian in this world, and you're all by yourself. You have no friends, no nothing. You're nobody. Jimmy, you're stupid. And see, what Jimmy needs to do, just like we all need to do, is we need to hit ourselves in the mind with the word of God. No, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Jesus loved me so much that he died for me. He loves me. I'm more than a conqueror to him who loves me. Man, you're never going to amount to nothing. You suck. Your dreams, your aspirations, you're never going to be nothing. Nothing. And you need to remind yourself, no, God has a plan. He has a purpose for my life. He loves me. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to be somebody in Jesus. And you start punching yourself in the heart with the word of God. You start boxing and beating your body up until it submits to the word of God. You don't just let you just stand there and just be like Jimmy and take punches, letting the enemy just defeat you and cast you down, kick you and knee you. No, you stand there in the power of God and you fight back with his word. You beat your body into subjection. 
And that is the next one. The last discipline is the discipline to aim. Listen to what the word of God says. I get to the next verse. Therefore, therefore, since he recognized that he is in a race and that he needs to be self-disciplined, that he needs to have a disciplined mind, knowing that God did not give him a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-discipline, a sound mind, the ability that when you're in a trial and that you're shocked and that now you're, you're sitting and you're panicking, that you have the ability to have a sound mind and say, wait a minute. I'm not going to react in impulse. Wait a minute. I'm going to try. I recognize this. I know what's going on. I know what I need to do. I need to seek Jesus. I need to ask for wisdom. If, can, where's, where's Ashley? Ashley, can I use your example? Not fully details, but where are you at? Ashley, the leader. Right? Where's Julie at? Okay, I'm going to use it then, man. Don't worry about it, right? Listen to this. We're helping Ashley move. Furniture, you know, move from one house to another. We go to the new house. And for whatever reason, they couldn't move in. It's like 1030 at night. Everything's inside a U-Haul truck. What are we going to do? I got my son, right? They had their son three, four months now. What do you do? And I sit there and I look at, I look at Ashley in her face. And I could see the shock hit her. Like, what? What do you mean? And then from shock, I see her to go to panic. What are we going to do? What am I going to do with my son? Where am I going to put my family? What am I going to do? And then it goes to impulse. We need to hurry up and get another apartment. We need to hurry up and do something. We have to do something. Come on, babe. Let's do it. Let's do it. We have to do something. And literally, I'm like, Ashley, you're in a trial. You're in a trial right now. You're being tested right now. And what you need to do, actually, you need to ask for wisdom. And ask the Father, our Father in heaven, God, why am I going through this, Lord? What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to get? And he will speak. And so after that, man, they had their peace. They had their, their sound mind. Their minds were not all over the place anymore. They began to discipline their mind. They began to be self-controlled. Like, no, I'm not going to let emotions take control of me. I'm not going to allow myself, even though I'm uncomfortable right now in this situation, I'm not going to let it dictate how I act or react. I'm not going to let it do that. And I'm not going to be selfish right now. I'm not. I'm not going to only just think about myself. I need to think about what is God trying to tell me. How do I need to learn for my family and for others and even youth that when I see the youth on Friday, am I going to look at them and just cry? It's a selfish person. It's all about me, you, what was me, what was me. No, I don't got to be selfish. And then lastly, they had to aim themselves, discipline and aim. And it says this, therefore, since I know I'm in a race, since I know that I'm boxing or whatever, that I need a strict discipline, this is what he says. I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I'm just not running all over the place like, dude, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Like, help me, help me. No, no, they're not running all crazy or whatever. Like some psycho man. You guys know what I'm talking about? People go through a trial and they're running all over the place. They're running house to house. Like, dude, you got ketchup. I need ketchup, dude. Like, what? Like, dude, take McDonald's package. I don't know. They're like, just what are you doing? They're running all over the place. They're running trying to get wisdom from the world instead of wisdom from God. Dude, what can I do? Can you borrow me money? They're going to all type of shops. They're getting money out of the, uh, the, the, the fast cash paces, putting themselves in debt, all because they failed to say, God, give me wisdom. 
And so they're running aimlessly. Then he says, he goes on and says this, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No. He's not sitting there talking about, how do I fight? Where do I aim, dude? Who is my enemy? What is going on? No. He says, I do not fight like one boxing the air. No. I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave. This is what he says. I strike a blow to my body. If my mind is acting crazy and wants to think about things they're not supposed to think about, then I begin to blow, give it blows to my head with the scriptures. No, I will not think on unholy things. No, God has a plan and a purpose for my life. No, I will not. Oh, my heart's acting crazy. Do I feel like I'm hurt? I don't know what's going on. I'm having a panic attack. No, I am a man of God. I am a conqueror. And I begin to beat my body and make it my slave so that I don't listen to the body. I don't listen to the impulses that the body gives me. No, I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, listen to this, I myself will not be disqualified. You see, it's real easy to tell somebody what they need to do in their problems until the problems are on top of you. It's easy to tell somebody, dude, you're going to be okay, dude. Don't even worry about it. You're good, dude. Pray, do all the spiritual things in the cartwheel. I'll see you next week. It's real easy to say that. Until he's the person that you're telling now, dude, I'm going through something. What should I do? Until you're in the trial. And so, therefore, he's saying, I don't want to be disqualified. So I'm going to practice what I preach. That when I go through trials, just like I was in last week and still in one, I'm not going to sit there and panic and act crazy. No, I'm going to seek the face of God. And so, listen now. We must have the ability to aim and stay focused on our target, such as the crown of life. You see, he's focused on the eternal and not on the temporary. The crown of life is eternal life with Jesus. And this is what he does. Paul, same person, the first thing he does is this. Set your heart, your heart, that heart, you set it. If you can go to Colossians 3.1, that's what the word of God says. If I can get that other one, Stephanie. The last thing we must beat up is this body. You see, we are our greatest enemy. We. You may think, you know what I mean, that the person that just left you is your greatest enemy. You may think that your classmates are your greatest enemy. The, the one who just gave you a zero or no credit in your, in your class, in your school is the enemy. No, we are our greatest enemy. The one you look in the mirror. Because we're the ones who sent ourselves off. Yeah, the enemy comes in and he uses ourselves, as we're going to learn in times past. He uses our own temptations, our own desires in our hearts to tempt us and get us to do some bad stuff. But it's, it comes from us. And so the first thing he does is this. Listen to this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You see, if your heart, is, your heart, the center of your being, is aimed on heavenly things, which you're practicing daily the word of God, earthly things cannot affect you. You see, if your heart is thinking about Jesus' things, the kingdom of God, I'm a disciple, you're thinking about scriptures, you know what I mean, your aim is, look, I'm going to be with Jesus one day, and I want everybody and their mamas to be with me, I'm preaching the gospel. When you're at school, you're not thinking about the me, myself, and I, no, you're thinking about, how can I tell somebody else about Jesus? When you're pursuing, let's say, let's say God wants you to be a professional athlete and be a witness in there. 
Your heart is still on Jesus Christ. So that if you don't make it to become a professional athlete, guess what? It doesn't affect you because your heart was already on Jesus. It was already in heaven. Earthly things then cannot affect a person that his eyes, his mind, his heart, and his, and his everything is focused on heaven. It can't affect you. I had a girl that wanted to quit, and I think I told you guys about this. And she says, man, I've been trying to graduate. She's pregnant. She's young or whatever. She says, I've been trying to graduate and do it for my mom. And you know what happened? She sent her mom a graduation picture, and her mom's response was cursing. Don't you come at me with that don't you come over here and send me no pictures or whatever. Don't be doing that stuff. And started to belittle her. It started to throw her under the bus. Y'all probably think I'm lying, but I'm dead serious. There were some crazy mamas out there. I thought they were only like on, on Hollywood or something. You know what I mean? Like, like TV or something. But this is legit. And she, I, they go to call me. I go to the classroom. She's on her phone. not supposed to be on the phone. She comes out, and she's in the middle of the hallway, and she starts bawling, crying. I, I, I kid you not, I looked at her. And I wanted to hug her because it looked like it was like my, my, my daughter or something, you know. Little girl, pregnant. And she makes it to the locker room. I was like, man, well, I'm going to take this girl, put her in the locker room. There's a camera. You know what I mean? She can't blame me for nothing, right? Camera's right there. And she gives me her phone. She's like, Mr. Ramos, Miss Ramos, look, man, look what my mama did. Look what she says. And I'm reading this stuff. And I'm like, God, have mercy. And she says, I was doing all this for my mom. And now I quit. I quit. She started cursing, freak you, me. I'm like, I'm trying to help you. Freak you, school, principal, and my diploma. I'm gone. <laughs> Slams her locker, runs out to school. Before she did, I had a chance to tell her something. It's like I'm telling you guys. You should never do nothing for somebody else, especially goals, because when that somebody else is gone, you have nothing left. And I said, you try to do it for your mom. But now when your mom drops the ball and she's not around, what do you have left? Nothing. And I said, you cannot do this for your baby daddy. You cannot do this for anybody. You need to do this for yourself. And Grant, I can't preach the gospel in there. I would have told her to look at Jesus, right? Of course, I prayed for her afterwards, you know what I mean, on my own. But if the same thing applies in the spiritual. The truth is we need to have our heart on things above. Because if we're not aimed at Jesus Christ, anything on earth can affect you. Your emotions can now be affected by an individual human. Your emotions can now be affected by a dog, a cat, a fish. Think about it. I love this fish. It's my goldfish. I love him. I feed him. watch him swim. He blows bubbles at me. The man loves me. It's my fish. I love this person. What happens when a fish dies? Huh? Of course, you buried her. You, no, but when the fish is gone, what happens to you? Right? You want to cry. She wants to freak out. Now she's in there. She's trying to fit herself in the toilet, get the fish back, resuscitate him back to life, like doing crazy stuff. The point of the matter is you're loving this fish, this earthly object, this earthly thing, this earthly animal, just like a, a human being. But the moment that earthly thing goes sour, you have nothing left. Now you're sad. Now you're affected. And so, therefore, your heart is now affected because it's on earthly things rather than set on heavenly things. And the next one is to set your mind. The next verse, please. Set your minds now. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 
So if your mind is on earthly things, which is eternal things, earth, uh, heavenly things, then earthly things cannot affect you the same way with the heart. You see, the trials come, and they're always going to come. No matter if you're a Christian or not, you're going to go through bad things, but I'd rather go through it with Jesus Christ. Because then I benefit from it. I get a crown of life, eternity in heaven. And so the thing is, because I'm disciplined, my heart and my mind is on Jesus Christ. This body cannot affect me either now. And whenever time it rises up and wants to do its own thing, it wants to take eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He talks about me, I smack him. He smacks me, I hit him with a bat. And it goes on from there, and the body wants to do everything opposite of what Jesus wants to do. Our job is to say, no, no, I beat you into subjection. I'm not going to listen to you. I am going to listen to God. That is the last one if we could all stand. We must mortify or mortification, the action of subduing one's body. That's what the definition is. The action of subduing one's bodily desires by self-denial or discipline. That's a different, that's a definition of mortify. You see, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he killed the body. He mortified it. Whenever he was tempted, he denied the desires. If I could get somebody on his keys or something. And so, therefore, when your body comes up, we must deny its desires to want to do what it wants to do. We deny it by choosing rather to do the things of God. To practice what you preach. To walk as a Christian just like you claim to be. And so is it going to be easy? No, it's not. Because trials hurt. Trials cause the body to react with feelings and emotions. But that's why we don't draw our feelings. We beat this body up. We box ourselves and say, no, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to seek Jesus' face. And so in conclusion, the Lord has promised those who love him, James 1.12, the ending of that verse, he promises to get to be with you. He promises the crown of life to those that love him. Look at what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so we must persevere. We must trust in God, knowing that God has promised to work out all things to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Running the race according to his will and purpose or ways and fighting the good fight of faith by beating and disciplining our bodies to obey the Lord. When thoughts come up, you beat your thoughts up. You submit them and surrender them to the promises of God. But in order to know that, in order to do that, you must know the Word of God. And so we must read our Bibles every day. How do I know the promises of God? Pastor Steve, how do I know it? Read your Bible. They're in your Bible. Steve, how do you do it? How do you do it? I read my Bible. I hold on to the promises of God just like I held on to them when I was in prison. And three years later, just like it didn't happen overnight, it was a three-year trial. It was a boot camp for three years. But in the end of those three years, God's promise prevailed. Just like he told my grandmother to tell me, in the end, I will set you free. That end came in June 20, was it 2001? 1998 to 2001, I was incarcerated. 
And the promise came. And I'm standing here in front of you still fighting the good fight of faith. I'm still persevering because I stand on the promises of God and allow God's word to filter my mind, to filter my heart. And I beat this body up so that I won't do what it wants to do. No, it does what I tell it to do according to the Bible. And see, I don't know what you guys are dealing with right now. But have you been dealing with disciplining your mind? Have you been disciplining your mind? Is your mind all over the place right now? And so to listen, hear, and receive God's word, promises, and purpose for your life, and the war that is within you during this time of your life, how is your mind? Does it need some beating tonight? Do you have to beat your mind up tonight and put it a slave, make it a slave unto the word of God so it won't go off and make you depressed or just think about stuff that only makes you depressed? Get freedom tonight. Have you been disciplining yourself to have self-control? Are you self-controlled? The moment that urge pops up, you run and go do whatever you want to do. Are you self-controlled? Are you disciplined like that? And if you're not, then how is your emotions? Are you disciplined in self-control in your emotions? Or is your emotion stronger than God? Tonight, let God be the God of your emotions. Let him overcome your emotions that change every day, just like you change socks. Are you resisting the uncomfortability or where, of where God is calling you because you desire to stay in your comfortable place? Is that you? It's like, dude, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to serve God, man, because I'm just comfortable right here. I can dabble in a little sin right here. I got some sin chips right here. I got a little sin coffee right here. Dude, I got the Bible right here too. I'm just going to do all of it. I'm just, I'm just comfortable right here. And God is saying, no, you need to get out the boat. Get out of that seat and come get on your knees and pray. If that's you, I invite you up here. Are you being selfish rather than disciplining yourself to be selfless? Any selfish people out there that all you want to do is be about you, yourself, and the big O-I? Have you and are you aimed and focused on the target God has given you? Is your heart set on things above on, in heaven? Daily set on practicing the things of God in this world. Do you obey God every day in this world? Or is it just on Fridays? If that's you, you need to be up here confessing to God and repenting and setting and aiming your heart on the things of God. Is your mind set on things in heaven, above in heaven, eternal things? Or has it been affected by the things of this world? Man, Steve, I was once, man, all I wanted to do was honor God and serve God. I was holding on to this promise, but as time went by, I started to get tired. I stopped fighting that good fight. I stopped, I stopped jabbing. I stopped beating my body up. And now it's like, dude, I just, I just want to sin. I just, that just, it makes me feel good, even temporarily. If that's you, you need to be up here. Have you been mortifying your body and self-denying your, body, your bodily desires? See, it's all about your mind, your heart, and your body. These three things the enemy is going to attack. These three things God is going to allow to go through trials so that he can strengthen these things to be set on him and not on yourself or on things of this world. But the only way we do this, listen, family, we need to start beating up our body. We need to put on these gloves and start fighting a good fight of faith. 
Because the one who is putting on these gloves is on this side, and that's Satan. And though you may not be fighting, he doesn't care. He will keep sticking you. He will keep jabbing you, giving you uppercuts, letting your body indulge in sin, take a little drink, smoke a little weed. Just do it. Do it. It feels good, even for temporary. It feels good. It feels good. And the whole time, he is putting you and enslaving you under your own sin. That right now, you can't even stop sinning. But God can set you free tonight. He can set you free because his, his word literally can tear these things up and remove them from the hands of Jimmy. And these things can be hidden in the word of God. Your mind, your heart, even your body can be instead of used use as a slave to unrighteousness, the body says use your body, your instruments as slaves to righteousness unto Jesus Christ. That is what the word of God says. Every heart, every head bowed, every eyes closed. Listen, I know we talked about a lot here. We're going after our time right now. I apologize for that. But I, I believe that there's people here that you have been beaten up, been beaten up by the enemy himself. You've been taking blows in your mind, man, suicidal thoughts. The war within you is raging and raging and raging. That you're becoming selfish. You don't even care about the things of God anymore. The sensitivity and the conviction of God has left you. You have turned down the fire and the gas and the stove in your life. And you're losing the battle for your soul. See, because although the devil cannot take your salvation, he can sure trick you to give it to him. He can trick you to give you his giving you giving him his, your soul. Like here, I don't want it. You take it. Do whatever you want to do with it. We send ourselves off. But if that's you, family in this place, if you know your mind is not disciplined, I invite you to come up here and put it on Jesus and His Word. If your emotions in the center of your being, your dreams, your aspirations are not set on Jesus, then come, lay him at the altar, lay him at the feet of Jesus, let him have his way in your life. And lastly, this desire, this body of death, bringing temptation and sin with it. If you're caught up in sin, then come and ask God for forgiveness and let him set you free from the trap of sin. If that's you, I invite you now. I invite you now. I'm going to pray right now. The altar is open. If you can, if somebody can come and remove this. Matter of fact, now we're going to leave this here. If you're dealing with some thoughts and your mind is all over the place, come punch Jimmy in the head. Symbolically, punch this fool in the head and say, God, no matter what, I give you my thoughts, God. I give you my thoughts. I beat it and I submit it at your altar, God. If you need to punch Jimmy, come punch Jimmy spiritually. Significant, signifying that God, I give you my thoughts, I give you my mind. If your heart, your emotions are all over the place, then come punch Jimmy in the chest and say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my heart, God. I begin to beat it and make it a slave unto you, God. And if your body is filled with sin and just I'm filled with sin, but if you're you're drawing off sin and it's not taking control of your life, come beat up the body. Of Jimmy right here that represents the body of sin. Symbolically punch this fool and say, God, 
I now declare my body to be yours, to be used for your glory. Let my feet, Lord God, bring the good news of Jesus Christ into my school. God, use my hands, Lord God Almighty, to pray for individuals rather than do cursing or sticking up the middle finger at somebody. Lord, use my eyes to get into your word and to look at people the way you look at them. God, use my mouth on this body to preach and speak blessings rather than cursings. God, use me. If that's you, the altar's open. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, Lord, I thank you for who you are, God, and I pray, Lord, that you would have your way. God, it's not a matter of if trials come, if testing comes. It's a matter of when. And God, I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, as your word says, consider it all joy. As your word says, God, that we know it comes to test us, Lord God, so that we can grow in perseverance and become mature and complete. God, have your way. That when I'm in trials, God, I don't become shocked. That I don't, I don't panic, God. But that, God, I will have a sound mind, a mind that is able to pause and to remember you in that storm and not let the storm take me over, God. Not let the storm, oh God, just rage over me and toss me to and fro. But God, let me be able to stand as a lighthouse, God, shining in this world. That yes, I'm going through trials, God. Oh, but I have joy. I have the joy of the Lord inside of me, God. Because they are here to make me mature. They are here to bless me. They are here to make me complete. They are here to remind me that glory is in heaven. God, have your way, Jesus. Start with me, God. Start with me, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. I give you my mind. I give you my heart, God. I lay this body down, God, at your feet, God. Use me, God, to preach your word. Use me, God. To represent you, God. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, God, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we call you right now. We ask, Holy Spirit, fill us up, Lord. Fill up the hearts, Lord God, the minds, Lord God, the vessels, Lord God, of the youth here today, God. I ask, Lord God, let there be Pentecost in this place, God. Let there be a moving of you, Holy Spirit. Break chains, God. Break yokes, God. Lord, I pray, give us the mind of Jesus Christ. Give us your eyes, God. Give us your heart, Lord. Give us your feet, God. Lord, give us, Lord God, your hands, Lord God. You weren't afraid, Lord God, to get them dirty for the gospel. You weren't afraid, Lord God, that when it came down to it, to nail that body in the cross, Lord God. That body, Lord God, Almighty, that was given as a sacrifice. Lord, let us be that sacrifice, Lord God, in this world. Let us be that sacrifice, Jesus. Let us beat this body, Lord God, and make it our slaves rather than let it control us, God. Unto you, God. Lord, I ask, God, have your way. Touch every youth in this place, God. Touch every leader, God. Lord, as we go through trials, God, let us not panic. Let us not be in shock. Lord God, let us not make impulsive decisions, God. Let us not treat the temporary as though they is internal, God. Let us not do that, God. But let us remember you, God. Let us remember your promises. Let us remember that crown of life, Lord God, has promised to us, God. And let us persevere, no matter how hard it is, Lord God, to the very end. 
that, Lord, when we are called home, God, that you would say those awesome words, enter in, my good and faithful servant. Let us be that, God. I ask in the name of Jesus, have your way, God. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, come up now. If you need to spend some time with Jesus, come up now. This is a time between you and God. Let the Lord have his way in your life. If you need prayer out there and you're afraid to come up here, it's okay. We're going to meet you where you're at. If you need prayer, raise your hand. We got one person needs prayer out there. So can somebody get us a female? I think it's